Welcome, everybody, to Catfish Weekly. Along with James Smith, I'm Lyle Stokes. And, James, we got a great guest tonight. We're going to get this due in just a minute. Um, it's a beautiful day in the Ozarks, James. Yes. We have 60-degree weather, a little bit of wind, but uh, maybe we can dry out from some of the rain that we've had solid for the last week. Um been pretty tough. Yeah, those last pictures you posted up at the Lake of the Ozarks when you and Cindy have been out there riding, I thought, that's a beautiful place. That's a beautiful lake. It is. It is. It's gorgeous. Uh, it'll be, get better as time goes along, but um, right now I could launch my boat between mine and the neighbor's property where there's a drainage ditch for the subdivision. goes through there, and it's just rocking and rolling. Well, so, it'll be here tonight. Hopefully it'll wait till after the show's <laughs> over and I don't have to swim home. <laughs> what do you say we welcome some of the people in that's watching the show tonight, James? That'll work. All right. We'll start out with Ernie Brown and Mike Sampson, Stonefly, uh, Fishing with the Chad, Moonlight Fishing, Country Boy, Catfishing, Creole, Janet Dement, Sharina, uh, Thomas Little Page, in JP3 and Avon Creole Country Boy Catfish and Fins and Fives. He Fins and Fives does a little gold mining too. Yeah, he does. Uh, Mike Irvin. He he likes metal detecting. There's Mr. Muskrat, Lee Evans, Mike Irwin, Papa Ed, Parker Pursuits, SF Outdoors, Ernie Brown, uh catfish and crappie there's my buddy mark he will be on directly after us with a great guest yes. mr gadget's in here like you said jp3 buckeye yeah. sonny parker yep there's uh janice demence in here sean here yep well, that'll get that'll get us started there's yep. chunky yeah, he won that thing the other day, didn't he? I, I actually slept through all that. I really don't know. Uh, I was up late the night before and slept. When I got up, it was all over. I just was kind of blown away that I stayed in bed that long. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he did. I, I believe that I heard that he did, yeah. And congratulations. I didn't get to see y'all. Kentucky Catman's in the house with us. So, uh a lot of great guests. Everybody check it out. I know we've got a bunch of new channels that usually come in before the end of the show. So, you know, make sure you share the love and share the bait. Check out their channels. Uh, all of them's growing. Mr. Stu over here, his channel, his couple channels, he's got one channel. He said, I think you said, what, over 70,000 now in there, Stu. So uh, keep working at it, people. You can get there, too. Stu, I, I would like to ask you, though, maybe if you don't mind telling us, um, you didn't used to have two channels. It used to be all combined into one. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason why you split them up into total angling experience in the original? Yeah. So, um, so I, I've been, I had another channel. It's kind of a mixed outdoor content channel and uh, I've been doing that one since 2012. And it, you know, it, it's, it's grown pretty good over the years, but it's real seasonal based. Um, a lot of stuff in the winter. And so for a good number of years, I really just only kind of posted there during kind of that October to March time frame. Um, then last year, I, I decided that I would try to kind of make it a full year channel. Um, you know, I, I, I love fishing and, you know, to make videos, you got to be passionate about whatever you're doing. So um, I, I decided it was actually about this time last year. I just got back from a Texas trip. And I said, you know, I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to try to uh, to start making fishing videos to kind of fill the void, you know, that was created uh, since my other channel was so seasonal. And so I told myself, I said, you know, I need to stay consistent. So I'm going to post two videos a week and uh, we'll see how that goes. So from March to October ish uh, last year, I, I posted two videos a week. I think I made a little over 60 fishing videos last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a grind. Let me tell you, it was, and it, it turned out I ended up working more hours last year. I worked like twenty five hundred hours last year, so it was a it was a grind anyway. But um, basically, what I found was that the audience that I had built with my other channel 
they weren't necessarily uh, real interested in the fishing content. Uh, you know, on my other channel, you know, normally I would get somewhere around about average 15 to 20,000 views per video. You know, some go more, some go less, of course. Uh, but that's pretty much my average. And whenever I started uploading the fishing videos, I wasn't attracting the audience, um, you know, that my other content was. You know, I would end up getting, you know, 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 views. And a lot of those views were coming from outside my subscriber base. And, uh, you know, if you guys know anything about the algorithm, you know, you need that initial bump from your subscriber to basically push your videos, right? Right, right. If you don't like it, then YouTube's not going to recommend it, basically. Right. So, uh, basically, what I did was I made the decision last fall to split up and make two channels. Um, and I started Total Angling Experience. It, it's a new channel. I, I, I made it in October, November of last year. And the goal there is just kind of a fishing channel uh, with the hopes that, you know, over the course of time now, I'll be able to build up a subscriber base uh, similar to my other channel, but that is more, you know, focused on the fishing content, right. you know. And, and another reason was, you know, everybody kind of does, it. You're, you know, you're always playing for views, obviously. And last year with my fishing content, I got to be honest, I was kind of chasing views with the content. So I was really making videos that I thought would hit. Uh, but there was a lot of stuff that I missed, you know, a lot of kind of the behind the scenes stuff, if you will. So with this new channel, this gives me the opportunity, since it's a new young channel, to basically, I, I, I'm starting fresh. I'm starting new. So I can do whatever I want, basically. Right. And not so much chase the views, but just cover all aspects of uh you know, of fishing basically. So, nice. yeah, I was, uh, when I first started, I had basically two things in one channel a gold mine and a catfish. And as I was going along, I wasn't growing and I was getting, I'd get sporadic views from this side and sporadic views from the other side. And Dieter Melhorn told me, he said, James, you need to split them. You, you, you need to split the two because you're never going to get that constant view base that you need from one. Well, I decided to chase the catfish side of it. And I was one of the first on the gold mining side to go live and do stuff like that, dredging and having it live. Well, I might've chased the wrong side because these guys that started after I did, they got over a hundred thousand subscribers <laughs> now and making good money. So, you know, but I still, I love my catfish and I always have. So I think I made the right choice for me. Uh, plus, you know, yeah. I miss what you said. You got to be passionate yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to, you can only BS your way so far through a number of videos before you're just, you know, you got to, you got to love what you're doing. So, right. well, you know, with that aspect of it, and it's probably about like you and you trapping and you hunting, we started having what we call claim jumpers. Mm hmm. They really start watching videos and they really start trying to find out where you're at. And, you know, the location that I was at, it would have been hard for them to narrow down where I was at. And, you know, then that would have been big trouble. So I figured it was best for me just to take them videos down, get rid of them. So keep them in the, what you can put them over in the private side so I can still go back and watch them. The grandkids can, but uh, the public can't. So I agree with you on that. It's probably a good idea if you're doing multiple different things to split it up or do it as an outdoor channel. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're trying to say? The reason you've done that? Yeah, I just I'm trying to get a subscriber base that's focused on the content, basically, you know, and and like I said, it, it's starting from scratch, basically. Uh, you know, I, I brought over whenever I announced my channel, um, my new channel on my old channel. I think at the time I had somewhere around 60 ish thousand subs. And I mean, just for instance, you know, whenever you put up a video and say, Hey, I'm starting from scratch. I only brought over about 1600 of those subs out of really? 60,000. So that just tells you, you know, how many people were, were interested in that kind of content, you know? Right. So that's, I mean, and like I said, I mean, whenever you're, whenever you're trying to kind of just, to go from one to the other, you're starting low. I mean, you know, you go from say, you know, 15 to 20,000 views to I'm trying to break a thousand, you know, on the videos now. Right. 
But uh, yeah, it's just a growing process. It's no different than than anything else. Like I said, I've been doing I've been doing YouTube on my other channel for nine years since 2012. So I mean, it's a it's a slow grind. Um, I got a really niche topic and niche community that I'm focused on on my other one uh, with the fishing thing. You know, obviously it's a lot broader. Um, you know, you're 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 focused more to a, a wider demographic, but at the same time, you know, everybody and their brother has a fishing channel. I mean, everybody. So you've got to do something that, that stands out uh, to kind of set yourself apart. If not, you'll just kind of fall by the wayside, you know, and just blend in with the crowd, so to speak. You're exactly right. That's some good information right there, Lyle. Yes, sir. It really is. Um, and sometimes that niching down can help you. But if you're not showing the passion and drawing the crowds, I've, I've always said I would rather have lower number subscribers that are active on my channel than those larger numbers that you're not getting the views from. Mm -hmm. Because you can see on your algorithms, well, there's a percentage that you can see of people that you subscribe, that are subscribed to you that watch your stuff but your numbers really show that most the majority of your views is coming from outside of that base. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in, in all honesty, I mean, we all talk subscribers and views and all this, but the, the one thing that really matters is actual watch time of a video. That's correct. If you, if you're looking at it from a, basically a successful standpoint, uh, and I mean, all these things coincide, you know, they all, combined together to be successful but the watch time is really the 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 thing that makes you more or less you know and that click-through rate you know if you've got a real high click-through rate of your subscribers that means you know you've caught the interest of them basically but yeah, you've got to hold them in there to watch it those are the two that are the most likely to get you closer to the top of the page I think said it best, wasn't it, Lyle, where he's talking about subscribers are for your head. The view time is for your wallet. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's very true. That's very true. And uh, that's one thing that I've always been pleased against. Our retention for, for what we do is different than a lot of other people that's making videos that they watch. Uh, and our retention time is fairly high, or I think it is. It's... Uh, it's uh, around 50% or just over 50% most every show. And I know there's a lot of guys that don't have near that kind of retention. And uh, it tells me that they need to look a little closer and make it a little more interesting or find out why they're losing people halfway through their video shows or whatever. But you're not going to keep everybody. You're just not. And, so. you know, I think sometimes like the fishing videos, what you're talking about, Stu, is that, you, that time will be short because they'll scan through and look for your fish. I want to see that big fish. And they're not catching, they're not getting that the whole video. They're getting 30 seconds of a five-minute video because they're just looking for the fish. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess that's stuff that you have to accept when you start a channel. There's going to be those things that really don't help you that much except your click-through rate. Yep. Well, let's talk about about your boats, Stu. <laughs> that has to be one of the most talked about things that you talk about when people question you about what you do. Uh, that boat is way, way cool, and you built it from scratch. And it's just, uh, it's big. It looks extremely comfortable, and it performs very well out on any body of water that I've ever seen any of your videos shot from. Yeah. Yeah. I built a big ass boat. I mean, that's the <laughs> question about it. Uh, you know, I, and, and I always tell it, I, I tell the story, you know, it's funny because I, I decided to build a boat. Right. So I, I guess I am, uh, I'm the definition of a multi-species angler, right? Like I, I, I love catfish and crappie. Those would be the two that I, I mainly target most, but I mean, I, at some point in the year, I'm going after everything that, that swims in my local waters. Right. And, you know, over the years, I owned a bunch of different boats and I just could never find one that that I could do everything out of, so to speak, you know. And uh, 
you know, I consider myself pretty mechanically inclined. So I finally just decided, I'm like, <clears throat> I think I can build a boat. Right. And, uh, so that's what I did. I, I ordered the material. I built that boat. I, I literally just drew up a parts list one night on a piece of scratch paper, made a material list and, uh, and ordered a bunch of aluminum and, uh, you know, funny thing, what I guess what a lot of people don't realize is whenever I decided to build this boat, I was actually only going to build like a 21 or a 22 foot boat. Um, I knew I wanted a tiller just because of the room. I, I love the tiller and the versatility of it, you know, just the open space. I thought, well, a 21, 22 foot boat. I think I can stick like a 115 on it and I'll, I'll be happy. So I, uh, I went to order the material, right? And these long sheets... Uh, I built this boat out of three sixteenths aluminum, four sheets to make two sides and two bottom, uh, which is really thick aluminum actually compared to you know the industry standard, you know, which is like hundred gauge or or one twenty five. This is actually uh, one sixty, and it's a fifty eighty six, which I went with, which is a lot harder on the bottom, and then a fifty fifty two on the sides. Uh, so I went to order the material. Well, they pull that material off of a big reel. And uh, I had on my material list, I said, give me a 22 foot sheet. Well, these sheets are pretty dang expensive. And uh, turns out they have to pull off at least 25 foot to, to make it worthwhile to justify it. So from the get go, I get to the shop, they've got everything loaded on a flatbed. And he's like, I had to get 25 foot material. And, uh, you know, they're, they're expensive sheets. And so I got home and I'm like, well, I'm not cutting three or four feet off of these sheets. <laughs> boat you know and uh you know which added you know three to four feet on top of what i'd already figured and uh so that turned into getting a bigger motor i ended up going with I, i'm running a, a 200 horse uh verado tiller on the back of it you know which that all in itself was a a whole the whole deal trying to get that motor but yeah it was it was a fun project uh took me about uh i, I from start to finish i had about nine months involved i was down for about two and a half, um, dealing with two other individual people that it, stuff kind of was out of my control. Uh, but yeah, I ended up, I think I ended up buying, I think right around 3000 pounds of aluminum, 2,800, I think was the number I've got 102 pounds of weld wire in the boat and trailer. Cause I built the trailer too. Uh, it rolling down the road, the whole rig raised right around 5,000 pounds. So it, it's a big boat. I ended up, I collected all my shavings from cutting and grinding. And at the end of the whole project, I weighed it and I had 26 pounds of, of shavings. I almost filled a five gallon bucket between the grinding dust and the shavings from that whole boat. So, wow. It, it, it was fun. It's in the ingot. Yeah. How long do you say it take to make that stew? Uh, I started in March and I was, I was fishing in February the next year. Uh, pretty good. I actually got held. Yeah. Up, I got held up for the longest time actually with the motors. Uh, that was the biggest issue. I actually found a motor down in Florida. It was one of those, it was kind of got pushed back in the warehouse. It was a two year old motor, but it was brand new. And uh, I couldn't get any marinas up here to take delivery of it. Mercury wouldn't ship that motor to me. Uh, because it was so big. And so a whole bunch of time went by. I finally found a marina like two hours away that would take delivery of the motor, but they had to mount it on the boat. Well, I was fabricating a boat, right? So it wasn't finished. You know, I needed that motor hung on the boat in order to kind of finish the back end of it. And so I drug the motor or the boat rather all the way over to the marina where the motor had been delivered. It sat there for a month and a half and uh, they finally came and they called me and they said, we can't mount this motor on this boat because it doesn't have a whole ID number. You know, I said, well, I know this, it's not finished. Right. And so we went back and forth for like another month. Uh, and finally I basically just wore them down and I ended up signing <coughs> form that voided them of everything, drove back over, over to Missouri loaded the motor in the back of my pickup, hooked up to the boat, drove back home, went to where I work, uh, hooked the motor up to the forklift, and I had it hung on the mo on the boat in 20 minutes, you know. Oh, wow. For almost two months. And then, I don't know if you're familiar, but 
the reason I went with Mercury is, you know, with the big tiller motors, you get a ton of torque steer, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't want that. I wanted the safety factor. So Mercury actually makes a, it's an electric over hydraulic tiller handle. There's a, there's an electric over hydraulic pump there. Mm -hmm. And basically what it does is it'll lock that motor in place until you actually apply force to the end of the tiller handle. So you can be running down the lake 45 mile an hour and, and literally let go of that motor and it'll stay in a straight line until you, you turn it. No torque steer at all. Well, that's, there's a lot of electronics in there. And obviously, you know, that has to be done by a Marina. So I got the boat all done and this was in like December and I was like, man, I'm ready to go. Found a Marina that would calibrate and kind of link up the, the tiller handle to the motor and, uh, took it over there to them. Well, they'd never worked on a motor that big before. So they had to order in all these, connectors and everything they end up having the thing for like another month uh, before they could get it fixed and finally they called me they said uh you know it's done i was excited it was middle of february and everything around here was froze up so i remember I, I went and got the boat and the only thing that was open was the river so i took it down to the river and i dumped it in the water and obviously that's hydraulically driven i started that motor and i pulled the tiller handle to me and the whole motor shot the other way that they they hooked up the the hydraulic hoses backwards so whenever i'd pull it it'd go the other way so uh, I, I mean it was a simple fix i just went home and, but yeah the, the two people that i had involved outside of my boat build really held me up on it but it's all good now i've uh i've got i that boat's not quite well it's right at two years old um i've got about 500 hours on the motor and I've drug that thing uh, about 20,000 miles. I've had it up to Canada uh, once. I've taken it down to Texas, right close to the coast twice. Um, Kentucky, Missouri, Wisconsin. I've had it in a bunch of different states. So it's uh, it's performed really well. I'm, I'm fairly proud of it. So Oh, I would think so. Now, is that the first undertaking like that that you ever done? Yes. And I wish I could have built a smaller one. <laughs> Because there was a lot of things that I learned, you know, but financially, I just I couldn't do it. Right. But right. Yeah. To take on that big project. Uh, I'm pretty sure if I do it again, I could build one in about half the time, you know, because I really learned a lot from uh, from, you know, start to finish. Because, I mean, I, I weld, you know, but to, and I knew I, I've built some trailers in the past. So the trailer, actually, I had that thing done in like three days. But the boat, I mean, it was all those little cuts in time. I mean, you just don't realize how, uh, you know, how much time it actually takes. And then what a lot of people didn't see was just the logistics of ordering everything, you know, and there's, there's a lot more to it than just building the boat. It's everything else that's involved. You know, I, I always, uh, you know, joked with the UPS man. I, he, he came by one day and I had the boat in the driveway and I, you realize you delivered about three fourths of that thing to me, you know, piece at a time. Cause I mean, a lot of stuff, you know, you couldn't get local. So, right. Yeah. The logistics of it. Uh, I'd say I have just about as much time in, you know, cause I'm a cheap ass anyway. So, I mean, I would, I would spend an hour on the internet, you know, in the evenings to save myself $10, you know, Well, and you know, just the logistics of that is there was a lot of time involved in that. Well, when you get to buying all them little pieces of this and little pieces of that, ten dollars here and ten dollars there, that all adds up to a major bunch of money at the end of your journey. It so, adds up. Um, yeah. I, I understand that, and um, saving money is just like making money, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. So yeah, that's a cool. Well, it's a neat boat, and it looks to have an awesome lot of of open space in it probably more than anything i've ever seen and until i talked to you when we had you on here before i did not realize it was quite as long as it is but um you can put something in space when you got it but if you don't have it you can't add on yeah you know, it's just pretty much the way it is kind of like a house yep. uh, bigger is always better if you can stand it you know just pretty much the way I look at it, but it's a great thing. And, and it turned out really awesome. Um, how long is it going to be before you build another one? Well, if lumber prices ever go down and I can build my shop, I'm going to build one pretty quick right after that. Actually. Oh, are you? Yeah. I got to room. I don't have the room right now. I, I want a bow fishing boat. Uh, I've always, always wanted to build a dedicated bow fishing boat, just like how I want it. And, mm -hmm. uh, 
I think that'll be the next project. And hopefully it'll be a lot easier because, you know, it's just going to be a true flat bottom, uh, you know, pretty open floor plan. There won't be near, near what's involved in, in something like my other boat, you know, where I, cause I kind of split that boat up and it, it's got kind of, the front end was kind of designed for crappie fishing and the back end is kind of designed for, for catfishing. Uh, you know, and then the center is just kind of storage area, you know, more or less, but open area. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's 102 inches wide. Well, it's 101 and seven eighths actually, cause you can't be over 102 inches wide to tow it down. Right. The road. Right. Uh, 86 and a half inches wide at the, at the bottom, at the chine basically. And that's what makes that boat ride. Like it does is that it, it's so wide, you know, it's a, it's a foot wider than say, you know, you're like a pro cat, a CR pro cat. You know, those are just 72 inch chines. So I'm 86 and a half inches wide and I can, I'm only drawing nine inches of water in that boat, but it's got a 15 degree V haul all the way down it that comes up into a 28 degree V. So it's got the front end of a deep V it rides like a deep V, but it only draws nine inches of water. That's pretty nice. Yeah. It took you a lot of figuring to come out with that, didn't it? Well, like I said, I've owned a lot of boats and, uh, you know, I knew I took everything, you know, I've owned John boats, I've owned V big deep V boats and I took everything from each one and, you know, kind of put it all into one, so to speak, you know, that's like, like my boat per se, even though it weighs, it weighs like 38, 3,900 pounds. Um, and it's 25 foot long, you know, with that 200, I can just brush 50 mile an hour with it. You know, uh, a pro cat with a 250, sometimes them guys are pushing, they're tough to push 50 mile an hour. But I, I added reverse chines to that boat. It's got a 10 inch wide reverse chines, 10 feet up. So, I mean, it comes up out of the water and just glides on plane. Uh, you know, it's, it's got a good hull design, you know. Well, that is a lot of a boat is a good hull design. And I'm I'm glad you got that thing. And and uh, it, it I know that it works great. Uh, for what you're doing with it because your videos are clearly uh, evident of, of the great boat that it is for catfishing and for crappie. I mean, I've watched your crappie videos too, and they're, they're outstanding, but uh, you can mount anything anywhere on it at any time that you want and still have, there's nothing to trip over in that boat. I mean, it's just open. Yeah. And I mean, you know, in all honesty, I mean, I, whenever I built that boat, I mean, I kind of designed it to film out of, so to speak, you know, right. I, you know, I, I strategically put seat bases where I could mount cameras. I put a track system all the way around the entire boat, you know, so I can I can literally anything, you know, wherever I want. And, uh, you know, that that actually it's a benefit to me filming because, you know, filming fishing videos sucks. I mean, it just it, it's a pain, you know, so well, especially the way you do it, because you're like a lot of us that do do that. You're normally by yourself. Yeah. And and do not only do all the filming, you do all the catching and baiting every you know everything, no. and uh, it makes it hard to do if you don't have one that's fairly set up to do that. Now the guys that have regular camera crews that goes on with them normally in an extra boat, it's not the same as the way we go about doing. Them. <laughs> yeah, so because no, that camera is never in the right place when you need it. No, no it didn't seem like it unless you got two or four of them, you know. Uh, and then you just take the best shots out of everything, but that's when you get into all the time and editing and and all that too. So there's it's a win lose win lose, uh, just depends on how you go about it. But uh, you know if we could all afford camera crews and and uh, editing crews, then we probably wouldn't be making YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> so what yeah, you know, go ahead, James. Uh, but that's what I was getting ready to say is that. Even you got that camera in the right place, it's going to be the other rod that goes off. So you got to fight to get this camera turned on. There's you got to find that even medium of what your thinks acceptable because you don't want to spend hours and hours of trying to get that perfect shot through editing and stuff like that because that cuts into your time. Uh, you could be fishing again uh, or spending time with the family or whatever. So Everybody that's out there that you want to make it, you got to find that acceptable medium and say, all right, I'm good with that. Let's go on. Let's ride. Let's go on and get the next shot. Because if you don't, you'll drive yourself crazy, won't you? Oh, yeah. And you got to enjoy 
that's one thing I learned last year. You know, like I said, I, I this channel's new, but I mean, I'm, I'm not, I've got a good year behind me of making fishing videos. And I'll tell you, you know, sometimes going out and filming, it was just hard. Uh, you know, it, it took the enjoyment out of fishing. Let me, I should say, uh, because you're so concentrated, so focused on trying to get a video out or get that takedown or, you know, I mean, if you would ask me five years ago, if I've been worried about exposure and being backlit and all this other crap, I'd have said no. But, you know, it's there's things you got to worry about. So it's part of it. In this boat, do I need the sun? And, you know, is the sun in my face or is it behind me and all that other crap? And it's just like, you know, sometimes you just got to go out and enjoy it, you know? Yeah. But, but having all that stuff just right is what absolutely separates the the growing and channels that continue to get bigger all the time from the ones that don't, mm -hmm. uh, especially lighting and audio. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, in my opinion, now that you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like audio is probably a higher percentage of videos than say the video itself. Audio is huge. Uh, yeah. audio, <laughs> my opinion. And I mean, I, I'm the same way. If I turn on a video and the first 30 seconds of it is wind noise, I'm clicking off of it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how many times last year, uh, you know, I, I ruined videos basically due to, to audio because it's always windy. I mean, I live yeah. in the too. So, I mean, it's always windy out here and, you know, you need that good, clean audio. Video is not that important, or at least, you know, everybody's tied up with 4k and all this other stuff. You know, I, 90% of the people watching this are probably watching this thing in 460, 720 or 720. You, you yeah. know, they're all, they're sitting on the toilet watching on the cell phone, right? Yep. So don't need that, that real high end video quality. What's important is, is having good audio. And in my, you know, my experience with the fishing is not being backlit. That's a huge thing uh, that I really fought last year was being backlit because you know, I only get to fish two days a week. Right. And, you know, a lot of times I get in the evenings or the afternoons. Right. So you're always chasing that setting sun. You need that boat, right. Or, you know, I fish a lot on the Mississippi uh, and the, the section of the Mississippi that I fish, it flows straight North and South. So, you know, your boat's always facing up current. That means you're fishing out of the back of the boat. That sun is always right behind you which makes you backlit all the time. And nobody <laughs> wants to watch a video of you constantly being silhouetted, right? So, no. you know, there's a different thing, you know, cameras with good dynamic range that'll break that out or being able to spin that boat real quick whenever you get that hook up and get that sun in your face. You know, little things like that, I think can really, uh, you know, set yourself apart, you know. I agree. I agree. Now, I, I just noticed a comment in here about somebody had, had mentioned don't forget about catching the big fish. How how important do you think it is to catch big fish if you're on numbers of fish? Well, you know, I'm kind of mixed about that because, like I said, I, 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 made, I mean, I did like 64 videos last year, and I had a few that hit pretty good, uh, you know, and I had some that didn't hit very well. And, you know, I'm not in an area where I can go out and catch 100-pound blues every trip. It just doesn't happen, you know. I mean, if I'm going to go out and fish my local lakes, we don't even have blue cats. So that means I'm catching, you know, 10, 12-pound channels. So I've got to do something to make catching 10, 12-pound channels interesting for somebody to watch, And you know. Uh, so I, I always – and this kind of stems from my other channel, I guess, too. But I try to focus more on education, um, you know, and technique. Because, I mean, let's face it, I'm an ugly dude, right? If you want to go watch some gal in a bikini fishing, you're, you know, that's what you're going to go, go watch, right? Um, so the big fish, I, you know, I think they're important to a degree, but, you know, a lot of people watch fishing for the educational aspect of it. Um, not everybody, of course, you know, I think, and, and honestly, I think it's about split. Uh, you know, from reading comments last year, you know, a lot of people, uh, they want to see stuff that, is not around their area, not native, but then the other half of the people, they want to know how to catch fish in their area, so to speak, you know? So showing new techniques, different techniques, um, obviously, you know, there's something to be said about catching a fish, obviously, you know, if you're going by, this is the best technique in the world and you don't show that it's productive, well, you know, then you're going to be swept right, 
you know, buy and they're going to go find somebody new. But yeah, I, I don't have the ability to go out and catch big fish every time. So I do. I, I tend, you know, kind of lean more towards the side of technique and education. I think education is a huge thing in the industry. JP3, thank you so much for that donation. It means so much to us. Um, I think that education is one of the most overlooked things that's in video making today. Now, with that being said, and you both can chime in on this, I think that there's a lot of education out there that people are putting out bad information. Yes. Yes. And I think that people are mad when they get this information, they find out that it doesn't work. It's, uh, it's false. And if you don't know how to, to come across with what you're saying to make it where people can understand it, then you're actually hurting those people that are trying to learn more than you're helping them. And that's just my opinion. Exactly right. Uh, I, the way I try to look at it is if I'm sharing information, if I'm wrong, I want to be called out for one thing to straighten me out because then that means I'm doing something wrong and I'm not catching fish by something that I'm sharing. But at the same time, we have so many new people coming in, even kids that's coming in that's trying to learn. We need to make sure that we are given the right information so that when they grow up, they're going to be the future of this sport. And we got to make sure that those fish are still going to be on the waters because if we teach them wrong, you know, this sport's going to go. It'll die. Well, that's well, exactly right. Yeah, for yeah, sure. You hear me say something wrong? Call my tail out. I hear you. Well, I, I, I completely agree. You know, and I think a lot of what I I'm trying to do on this channel stems a lot from my other channel. You know, which is actually it's 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 categorized by YouTube as how to and education. Uh, that's that's what I've always tried to kind of instill in my videos is is education. And you know, the thing about it is, it's so easy now for somebody to go watch a YouTube video say one that's actually hit, you know, and then they just go make the same YouTube video. And you can tell right off the bat if somebody is actually experienced at what they're doing or if they just watched the video or read it, an article or, or something, you know. And the thing about it is you're hurting yourself as well as other people because people can see that real easy. You know, they know whether they know what, what, what you're talking about or not, you know. And uh, if you don't know what you're talking about, they're not coming back to you. Like I said, that's, that's the biggest issue, especially with the fishing community is there's just such a saturation of, of fishing channels, basically that you really only kind of get one or two chances with people. If not, yeah. they're going to move on, you know, that's it. I agree hundred percent. I, I also believe that, that guys will come in there and they'll watch your video. And if they think that you're telling them the straight stuff, they're liable to come back. But if they think that you're not, not only are they not going to come back and watch, they're going to tell everybody they know that, hey, this guy don't know his ass from home the ground. Yeah. And I yeah. think that happens a lot in private chats and messaging and different things that, that we never hear about. Mm -hmm. right. uh, and I think that's due to some guys putting out information like that that probably shouldn't be putting out information. Uh, and, it, it, hey, if that's the way they're doing it and it makes them happy when they go in at night, that's great. But don't tell the world about it if you don't know what you're talking about. Well, and then it starts getting – it starts categorizing everybody. That's everybody right. Everybody says, well, that's just another one of them catfish channels. That's just another one of these. That's just another one of those. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, that was that old saying, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. You know, if you can't tell the truth, don't tell it at all. Not on something like this, because it is important. Uh, that's the way we get rules and laws and stuff changed to benefit is by bringing these people in, teaching them the right way. Because who knows? The next kid that learns how to do what you just told them to do might be the commissioner's son that can change the laws on the books that's there for us. That's right. Uh -huh. So, so, Stu, you fish a lot of lakes, and, and I, I know you fish the Mississippi River quite a bit. Um, do you prefer lakes or rivers for far as just going out and having an enjoyable day? Well, uh, you know, we have reservoirs here. We don't have I, we don't have any natural lakes. So everything I fish is a reservoir uh, <laughs> close to me. 
the Mississippi is actually two hours away from me. So, I mean, it's a, you know, you're dedicated once you go fish that. Um, I I love fishing the Mississippi. Normally I fish it more in the late summer, kind of whenever everything kind of tails off. My fishing kind of, I catfish more from like May to October uh, more than anything. And then, you know, I, I hammer the crappie through the winter, uh, is kind of my, I mean, I'll, I'll fish throughout, but I, I love fishing the river. Uh, the river is always changing. You know, I think that there's something to be said about, you know, kind of the unknown every time of going out there. Uh, but I, I still love fishing, fishing our reservoirs, you know, it's, uh, even I've been fishing them, you know, for 20 years now and it's still, you know, there's still something new to figure out or some better technique. So right. I, I'm probably split, honestly. Um, okay. You know, one thing that kind of sets my situation apart is I don't have uh, on the catfishing side. I don't have any blue cats in the lakes close to me. Right. So if I want to catch a blue cat, I got to go to the Mississippi. Um, all my lakes have I have flathead and channel. So that a lot in itself kind of dictates, you know, if I want to catch a big blue, I want to, I got to go to Mississippi, you know, if I'm going to catch a bunch of channels or, or flatheads, you know, I'm going to stay on, on our reservoirs, you know. Well, I really does, like your, does the flatheads get any size in the reservoirs? Oh yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, the two main reservoirs that I fish, uh, you know, we'll pull several 60 plus out of there every year, you know, which oh, that's some good flatheads <laughs> there, Bob. <laughs> I'll take them every time. Catch is mid 20s you know so that's pretty good yes that's pretty good now what about what about your um what about your uh crappie stuff i i know this is a catfish channel i got that and i know you do a lot of that but you do a lot of crappie fishing yeah i i love crappie fishing uh i like eating them <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely catfish I, i'm gonna be honest uh you you give me a, a channel cat that's been clean dry out of some good 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 water i will take that any day over walleye crappie whatever but uh, no i i love the crappie fish um i've crappie fished all my life uh and like i said i i built whenever i built my boat i built the front end essentially this was before live scope um i missed if i'd have built that boat a year later i'd uh I'd have done a few things different probably, but at the time we spider rigged a lot. And so the whole front of the boat was set up to spider rig. I mean, that was how you caught your numbers. Uh, I still love one pole jigging. And then obviously now, now live scope has came out and it's just, you know, it's changed the world as far in the crappie scene. So yeah, I love, I love the crappie fish. Um, you know, that, that with the live scope now we're chasing down single individual big fish and it is just, it is a riot. Um, I've learned so much, you know, just in the last two years since I've been running live scope that I never knew before. And, you know, funny, everybody says, oh, well, you got the big boat and all the fancy electronics and stuff. And my uncle or great uncle is actually the one who I blame for costing me all this money and getting me into fishing. <laughs> you know, we started out in a, in the creeks in a 12 foot shallow draft John boat with a cane pole. I mean, that was my first fishing pole was a cane pole that we went down the side of the road, cut down and we screwed eyes onto it. And, you know, 20 pound test and a gold hook and a minnow. That was, that was the only way you fished. Right. Yep. And now we're chasing caught fish. That, that's yeah, and caught fish. That's the thing. And now I've got all this fancy stuff and now we're chasing down individual big crappie. And so it's just, it's amazing. Uh, you know, I remember whenever, I remember when mapping first came out and everybody thought, oh, that's a game changer, you know, whenever all the lake maps came out. I mean, and then side scan got real. I mean, where it was, you know, actually functional, you know, with mega and stuff. And I mean, that was that to me is still more of a game changer than anything was was good side scan. And now we've got scope, and I mean, Hummerbird and Lawrence, you know, they've got all their live sonar, too. But I mean, it's just it's nuts. I don't know what they're going to do next. I, I really don't. I don't know how you can make it better. I mean, <laughs> go out there right now. And I mean, granted, I've got, you know, a couple thousand hours staring at that screen uh, on live scope, but I mean, I can go out now and I can tell you individual species. I can get you really close to how big that fish is and we can target individual fish, uh, you know, in a 20,000 acre lake. I mean, what's, what, what can they That's come crazy. up? With, you know? I never thought I'd see the day that would be possible 
but I know that it is, and I don't have live scope. Um, I have mixed feelings about it. I think that it it could possibly, in the wrong hands, uh, especially in the winter time and wintering holes for catfish, it could be devastating on on fish, um, especially the flathead. Well, blues too, and then wintering holes where they go in there with them nets. Them commercial guys, they just go in there if they know how to use that. They can clean out a hole in, in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times in them big holes in them big rivers, the uh, two, 3,000 fish that are winter in that hole. And uh, mostly flatheads, you're right. But the blues will go in there too and stay behind certain wing dikes and different places on them rivers. But a guy that knows how to use that, uh, it could be devastating on them. Now, whether them guys spend that kind of money or not, I don't know. I hope they don't. But um, if they learn how to use them like some of the like Stu and some of these other guys do, uh, it could really hurt population of certain kinds of fish. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Well, I've seen a few videos and guys in there. And of course, they bash them when they post up in videos of them going in and finding them flatheads like that. Of course, flatheads don't bite. You know, they, they didn't hunker down for the wintertime. And they start snagging them. And I thought, you know, no, nah, I'd jump on your boat and wire your head out with a paddle. I hate it. Uh, well, but uh, I just ain't into doing that. But there are people out there. And if they use, like you said, Lyle, they use that live scope and make it so easy for them to pile, to find those piles of fish like exactly that. Exactly right. And, and um, I, 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 they can say what they want in cold weather situations like we have here. And Stu being from Illinois, he understands about that. Those flatheads go dormant in the wintertime. Thank you, Ray. We appreciate it so much. Um, they go dormant in the wintertime, and, and there won't be one out of every 10,000 that actually bites in cold water. You might get one, but I don't know of anybody that's – I don't personally know of anybody in cold water that's caught one that was actually bit a bait. They was – they might have been caught outside the mouth, but they was always caught in the body, and they was never the hook was never inside them, in right. even in the in the mouth. Now, I know that it happens once in a while, but it's so slim. So these guys, and and it's not that it, it's the nets. If they, yeah. they find it, they'll get the nets in there, and then we're in trouble. But the technology is already here, and it's you. You can't turn. You can't turn that clock back. It's already here. I tell you, the only so, thing I see wrong about that technology is Stu's got one, and I don't. Well, no doubt. <laughs> well, you, they, know, you know they're great on crappie. They they just they're, they're a game changer for guys catching crappie. And you know, I I think you know a lot of it is too. It's a tool. Uh-huh. Yes. I, I still it, it it's like it's like anything else. And I still, you know, I personally, you know, I am an electronics guy whenever it comes to fishing. Like I said, I, I get to fish two days a week. Um fishing changes, you know, from day to day. And you know, I use live scope no different than side scan. And I think that you know, side scan is super effective. And to be really effective with live scope, you need to know how to use side scan. You know, unless you're down in like those those east texas lakes you know they're just full of timber uh you know where it's just easy but i mean on a, on a majority of the country in the reservoirs you still have to be able to know how to use that side scan to get that live scope uh you know and be effective with it and i think a lot of people they don't put enough emphasis in the side scan and i know for a fact that everybody that a lot of people they get live scope and they they see these videos you know and they think it's just going to be a game changer and you know, there's something to be said about time on the water. I don't know how many guys I have fished right behind uh, over the course of the number, the last two years. And, you know, they've got this expensive unit in the front and they think it's going to change and they just don't know how to use it. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said about that learning curve. And like you said, Lyle, you know, I think, you know, hurting the population. I don't know if you'll ever get to that point because I don't know if they'll, if there's enough people that's actually going to put enough into learning that technique to be deadly with it. That may uh, be true. I really don't. I mean, and you know, I, I was fortunate enough. I, I got live scope, you know, fairly quick within a couple of months after it came out. And, you know, back then there was nothing as far as, you know, 
social media, how to do it. I mean, we all learned the guys that were doing it, you know, we all learned on our own. And even today, you know, there's, you still got to know what you're doing, I guess is kind of my point. And, uh, you know, yes, it, it's, it takes some of the learning curve out of fishing, but it's, it's not just, it's not what everybody thinks. You can just go out there and pull out three pound crappie or, or catfish. Uh, you know, it's, there is still quite a learning curve to it. And you've got to be dedicated enough to, to actually learn how to use your, your tools, you know? Yep. Yep. Parker, Parker Pursuit was talking about bass tournament guys are really catching a lot larger limits using that live scope targeting individual fish. And I can see that really, really benefiting the, the largemouth bass tournament trail. Uh, but David Martin, he has one. He's a friend of mine. And he said, crappy, yes, catfish, not so much unless they're up off the bottom and moving. And moving. Well, I, I don't want to get too or let too much out of the bag, but you're, I think this year you're going to see in the catfishing world, I think you're going to see live scope come in. Um, I know myself, I have spent all winter long and I've got, I can catch flatheads consistently going. I mean, I can go out now. Let me put it this way to you. Um, and like, granted, I've got a ton of hours, but if you were to send me out to the catfish tournament right now, tomorrow, and you said you can take six rods and go old school, or you can take a live scope and single pole catfish, I would take the single pole and catfish. Uh, wow. I, I, I think, a lot. And I think you're going to start seeing that once people really start figuring it out. I think this is going to be the year, you know, whenever live scope first came out and granted, you know, Live imaging sonar has been out since 2015. You know, the first gen pan optics came out and nobody really, they no, nobody really put it to good use. And then they came out with live scope and the crappie guys jumped on it because you could actually see your baits and you could see you, the fish spider rigging. You know, that's where everybody jumped on it. Nobody at the time said, hey, let's actually single pole and put a bait in front of it. You know, now it just seems obvious because it's been out for so long. Uh you know, but I, I initially I bought live scope to do that. I, I bought live scope to be able to see my baits with with, you know, the, and the fish spider rigging, because like I said, at the time, nobody was putting, you know, one jig in front of fish. And, uh, you know, so the crappie took off. That was kind of the first year. Now, over the last year, the bass guys have really come out. Now you're targeting single bass. Um, and I think this this will be the year I really do where you're going to start seeing a lot of the the catfish guys i think i think a lot of big fish come in uh single pole i, I really do that that'd be interesting that'd yeah be, what do you got in the works for upcoming events that you're going to be doing uh well i don't know i mean my my fishing schedule has dictated a lot of my work um but right now we're, we're crappie fishing we're kind of in pre-spawn right now uh our lakes just thawed out a couple weeks ago so we're in pre-spawn now Gonna be doing some crappie fishing videos here for the next probably month or so, and then we're gonna transition into uh, into the catfishing. Um, I, I like, you know, you get the spawn. I, I love chasing jugs around, so we do some jugging, some trout lining. Uh, I filmed a video what last week um, where we actually went out and and trommel netted buffalo, so that was pretty cool. Um, nice. That'll be coming up in a while. Um, I there's a chance I may be able, I may be going to. Uh, uh, actually lake of the ozarks now spoonbill season's open i'd like to get out there and do a, a a snagging video and then of course you know once the summer progresses we're gonna we're gonna jump right into the the mississippi you know and chase some big blues so Are yeah you got a full year planned already i i hope so i mean it's i've been doing it long enough now i kind of just jump like i said I, I i fish my my fish species you know i i fish everything so that's all Live scope, Lyle, I'd be a flathead chasing son of a gun. I, I'm afraid that if I had one of them and knew how to use it, see, that's the yeah. problem with me uh, is is learning stuff. I still got problems with what I got getting all of the out of it that it can. But if I knew how to use one, I, I would strictly fish for flatheads. But, I'd you know, be ready as long as they said a butt had a button on there that said, "Hey, dummy, push this and you're ready to go." Then I'd be ready to rock and roll, in. <laughs> well, a lot of these new ones that are coming out now, if you leave them at factory settings, 
they do quite well just at factory settings. But when you're talking about 360 imaging and live scope and wanting clear images and, and uh, you can tweak anything, and the more you learn about it, the better you get with them. The contrast and everything always makes a huge difference on these. Uh, and color palettes is something that I've learned um, from my old eyes that I may use one color palette in the morning and a different one in the afternoon. And if I stay up in the evening, I may change it again just so I can find the fish and be able to determine what I'm looking at. And that was something that you never used to have. I mean, you had gray and white back in the day. Yeah. And that that's what you use. But these color palettes are a wonderful thing for us older guys. Really, anybody. I mean, well, yeah, I not mean, everybody sees color the same. So, uh, that's exactly contrast. Right. You're right. Well, you learn a lot from old dog teaching you different things about how to bring in for different water conditions and stuff like that. Well, Doc was really good on that Lawrence on that monster cat. And I learned then that I'll never have another one of them. Right. Uh, it just it just never worked consistently enough. And it was probably that unit. We sent it in and all kinds of stuff. And it just it just never worked right. Uh, but now, Stu, which live scope you got? What's that? I was asking what which live scope that he has because there's what three or four different kinds, ain't they? Just well, got the live scope, and uh, Lawrence came out with their live site, I think, in November. And Humminbird is, they've got theirs, I think, live view or uh, mega view or something. Anyway, they're coming out with one too. So all three big brands will have it. Um, I run the live scope I run now. Um, I run Garmin, which I run Humminbird units. Um, I've, I, I run two Helixes and two Helix 12s on my boat. And then I've got a, a 1222, which is what I run my, my live scope off of. Um, I was pretty well dedicated to Humminbird, you know, before live scope came out. So, I just basically use the the Garmin unit uh, for the live scope capabilities. That's that's. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are strictly Garmin now. They didn't yeah. used to be. They well, either had Lawrence or they had Humminbird, and then they get a Garmin unit for the 360. But some of them guys, even the hardcore Lawrence and and Bird guys, have now sold them units or traded them in or whatever. And a lot of them guys have got strictly Garmin units in their boat. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if there's an advantage to that, but well, I haven't seen anybody bad mouth. <laughs> well, for the longest time, and I mean, this is coming from a crappie fisherman standpoint, but for the longest time, mega imaging for Humminbird, it was the best side scan you could get. Yes. And yeah, you're along, and you know, this was before, before live scope, uh, you know, and you're going along looking at brush piles and you're sitting there picking out individual fish in those brush piles and you can almost distinguish them as crappie or, or buffalo or shad or anything, you know. So that's why I initially went with the hummingbird um, was for the side scan capabilities. And now within the last year, Garmin has came out with the UHD models, which is essentially running their side scan on the same frequency as hummingbird mega imaging. So now you've got Garmin, you know, they've almost got a monopoly now because Humminbird still doesn't have their live sonar out. So you've got the, the best of both worlds, basically. You've got the ability to have live scope and still have the super high frequency detailed side scan. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Well, Steve, yeah, I heard that too, Lyle, that, that a lot of people was changing over selling their hummingbirds or the Lawrence's and going to all Garmin. And, uh, and you know, they, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what. They're none of them cheap. We, uh, but you know what? You got to spend your money on something. You might as well there. spend on something you're going to enjoy. Can't and take it with you, can you? What do we all enjoy? Catching fish. There you go. <laughs> Stu, thank you so much for joining our show tonight. I appreciate it very much. I'd like to get you back on here and uh, maybe set up a deal where you would go over in your boat when it warms up a little bit and then go over some of the, the stuff that you do with that Garmin and, and even your Humminbird stuff sometimes if you'd be interested in doing that. I think that'd make a great show. For sure. Or maybe catch him on the water, Lyle. Yeah. It, <laughs> it depends on where he's at. If he's got signal, yeah, it'd be great too. Yeah. Uh, 
and uh, we'll talk about doing that. But I appreciate you coming in here tonight. I want everybody to to run over and watch Catfish and Crappie with Mark tonight. He's got a great guest on there, and their show's getting ready to start. So, um, But, again, thank you so much. Be sure to tune in to like and subscribe to this channel, and be sure to tune in to Panfish Weekly on Thursday night and Patriot James, Catfishers of America, on Wednesday night. And James, do you have a, a guest? No, actually, I had a guest cancel out for Wednesday night, so uh, we're probably just going to have a gathering of friends and uh, maybe bring a few different people in at the time and uh, just sit back, have fun, and be relaxed. And uh, we got a lot of new people coming in live, so I think I just want to shake hands with a few of the new ones that's coming that's in and maybe bring them in. I'll be looking forward to it. Stu, thanks again. Thanks, everybody, for watching Catfish Weekly. We'll see you next week.